0: listening to the mystical city of god in a year podcast i'm father edward looney and throughout the year i'm reading and reflecting on the four volume over 2500 page work by the venerable maria of agrida if you would like to discuss today's readings head on over to facebook and find the mystical city of god in a Year podcast group and there you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along let us now thank god for the life of venerable maria of agrida Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady, Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sore Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 280. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 2, Paragraphs 18 to 25. 18. The evangelist proceeds, and I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I, an unworthy apostle of Jesus Christ, am the one to whom this hidden sacrament was revealed, in order that it might become known to the world. And I saw the mother of the incarnate word, the true mystical city of Jerusalem, the vision of peace descending from the throne of God himself to the earth. And I saw her clothed, as it were, with the divinity and adorned with a new participation in God's attributes, his wisdom, power, holiness, immutability and amiability and resembling his son in her actions and behavior. She came as an instrument of his omnipotence, and taking the place of God by a new participation. Although she came to the earth in order to labor upon it for the benefit of the faithful, and for this purpose deprive herself voluntarily of the vision of eternal glory, nevertheless the Most High resolved to send her adorned and furnished with the power of his own arm, and to compensate her for the beatific vision she relinquished. Instead of it, she was favored with another sort of vision and participation in his incomprehensible divinity, suited to her present state of pilgrimage, but yet so divine and exalted that it exceeds all the thoughts of the angels and men. He adorned her with the gifts limited only by herself and has prepared her as a bride for her spouse, the incarnate word enriching her so that no grace or excellence was wanting in her. Nor should her absence from his right hand deprive her of the presence and intercourse of her man, who was to remain in her, as in his proper heaven and throne, just as the sponge receives and soaks up the fluids into its hollow spaces, so according to our mode of understanding this great lady was filled with influences and communications of the divinity. 19. The text further states, And I heard a great voice from the throne saying, Behold the tabernacle of God with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself with them shall be their God. This voice, proceeding from the throne, filled all my mind with sweetness and joy. I understood how the great lady, before her death, attained possession of the great reward merited as a singular favor, and the prerogative due only to her among all the mortals. None of these, after attaining possession of their glory, had permission or authority to return to life. Yet this privilege was conceded to this only bride for the increase of her glory. She, in full possession of eternal beatitudes, and proclaimed by all the courtiers of heaven as their legitimate queen and lady, wished of her own free will to descend and become the servant of her vassals, educating and governing them as her children. On account of this charity, she deserved to have all the mortals as her subjects, and to be put in possession of the militant church where she was to dwell— over which she was to preside and draw the blessing, the mercy, and forgiveness of God. For in her bosom the Lord was sacramentally present during the whole time in which she lived in the primitive church, after her descent from heaven. If there had been no other reason, her son would have instituted the most holy sacrament in the world in order thus to dwell in her, and through her merits and petitions he remained among men, with new graces and benefits, wherefore the evangelist adds, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and death shall be no more, nor mourning, nor crying. This great lady came as the mother of grace, of mercy, of joy, and of life. She it is that fills the world with joy, that dries away the tears brought on by the sin of our mother Eve. She turned mourning into rejoicing, tears into new jubilee, clamors into praise and glory, the death of sin into life for all who seek it. Now the death of sin is at an end. And all the clamors and the pains of the wicked are at an end. If only before their damnation they will flee to the sanctuary and there find pardon, mercy, and consolation. The first ages, which were not blessed with the presence of Mary, the queen of the angels, have fled and passed with all the sorrows and sighs of those that sought her and could not see her. For now the world possesses her for a refuge and help, and for a shield of mercy against the divine justice that hangs over the sinner's head. 21. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. This was the voice of the Eternal Father, who gave me to understand how he would make all things new. A new church, a new law, new sacraments, having conferred upon men such new blessings as to give them his only begotten Son, He added to this blessing by sending them the Most Holy Mary, thus renewed, endowed with such wonderful gifts and power, as to enable her to distribute the treasures of the redemption, and by placing them all together into her hands, to be scattered broadcast according to her most prudent will. For this purpose did he send her from the royal throne, a faithful reproduction of his son, and like a faithful copy of the original, sealed her, in as far as is possible, in a mere creature, with the attributes of the divinity. Her holiness was also to be copied by the new evangelical church. 22. And he said to me, Write, for these words are most faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To him that thirsteth I will give the fountain of waters freely. He that overcometh shall possess these things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. The Lord from His throne, says St. John, commanded me to write down this mystery, in order to give witness to the fidelity and truth of His words, and of the works of Most Holy Mary, in whose hands He has pawned His omnipotence. And because these sacraments are so exalted and hidden, I announce them in figures and riddles, leaving it to the Lord to manifest them in the world at His own time, and letting all understand that whatever is possible has been done for the restoration and welfare of mortals. In saying, It is done, God reminds men of their obligations toward him for sending his only begotten to suffer and die for them and to teach them his doctrine and for sending his mother to assist and succor the church and for sending the Holy Ghost to promote and enlighten, to strengthen and comfort it with the gifts he had promised. And since the eternal father had nothing more to give us, he says, it is done as if he had said all that is possible to my omnipotence and proper to my equity and bounty I have given. And the one who is the beginning and end of all that has being, as the beginning I give it by the omnipotence of my will. And as the end of all I receive all things, providing in my wisdom that means by which they attain their last end. These means are all under the control of my most divine Son and His Mother, my chosen and beloved one among the children of Adam. In her are the pure and living waters and grace, from which all the mortals who thirst after their eternal salvation may draw it, as from its fount and source. John seven thirty seven, For them these waters are distributed gratis, since they could not merit them. Yet with his own life my incarnate Son has merited them, and his blessed Mother gains and merits them for those that apply to her. And whoever shall overcome the hindrances to these waters of grace, that is, whoever overcomes himself, the world, and the demon, shall find me a liberal, loving, and mighty God." He shall possess all my goods and whatever, through my son and his mother, I have prepared for him. For I shall adopt him as my child, and as an inheritor of my eternal glory. 23. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, they shall have their portion in the pool, burning with fire and brimstone. Which is the second death. To all the sons of Adam, I give my only begotten as a master, redeemer, and brother, and his mother as a protector, as mediatrix, and advocate powerful before me. And as such I send her again into the world, that all may understand how much I wish them to avail themselves of her protection. But those that do not overcome the repugnance of their flesh to suffering, or do not believe my testimonies and wonders, wrought in their behalf or those witnessed by my holy scripture, and those who, having believed, have entangled themselves in the base impurities of carnal delights, the sorcerers, idolaters, who forsake my true power and divinity, following the demon, all those at work, deceit, and malice, shall have no other inheritance than what they thus choose for themselves. This will be the dreadful fire of hell, which is a pool of burning sulfur, full of darkness and stench, where for each of the damned shall be the different pains and torments according to the abominations committed by each one. But all of them shall be eternal and connected with the loss of the divine and beatific vision, enjoyed by the saints. This shall be the second death, from which there shall be no salvation, because those overtaken by it have not availed themselves of the redemption from the first death of sin through the Redeemer and His Blessed Mother in grace. Still describing His vision The evangelist proceeds. 24. And there came one of the seven angels, who had vials full of the seven last plagues, and spoke with me, saying, Come, and I will show thee the bride and the wife of the Lamb. I saw that this angel and the others were of the highest and closest to the throne of the Blessed Trinity, and that they were endowed with special powers to chastise the presumption of men who should commit the above-mentioned sins after the mystery of the redemption, the life, Teaching, death of the Saviour that has been proclaimed, and the excellence and power of His Most Blessed Mother in assisting the sinners that had become known. And as, in the course of time, these sacraments, with their miracles and enlightenment, with the example of the saints, and especially that of the apostolic men of the founders of religious communities, and of the great number of martyrs and confessors, have become more and more manifest, Therefore, the sins of men in the last ages are more heinous and detestable. Their ingratitude toward such blessings is more abominable and worthy of greater punishments. Consequently, they rouse so much the greater indignation and wrath of the divine justice. Thus, in future times, which are the present ones for us, God shall punish men with the greater rigor, sending upon them the plagues reserved for the rapidly approaching days of the final judgment." Let the reader refer to paragraph 266 in the first part. 25. And he took me up in spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. I was raised by the power of God to a high mountain of exalted intelligence and enlightenment concerning the hidden sacraments. And in this state I saw the bride of the Lamb, his woman, like the city of Jerusalem, The bride of the Lamb, on the account of her likeness, in reciprocal love to him, who took away the sins of the world. John 1.29 His woman, because she accompanied him inseparably through all his works and wonders, and because for her he came forth from the bosom of his eternal Father, to have his delight with the children of men, who were the brethren of this bride, and through her also his own brethren. I saw her also as the city of Jerusalem, who enclosed him within herself and afforded him a spacious habitation. Though he cannot be encompassed by heaven or earth, and because he placed in that city the temple and the propitiatory, where he wished to be sought and propitiated by mankind. And although on earth she humiliated and prostrated herself beneath the feet of all, as if she had been the least of creatures, I saw her raised on high to the throne and the right hand of her only begotten. Whence she again descended prosperous and bountiful to enrich the faithful children of the church. This concludes our reading today for day number 280. We have been reading from volume 4, book 7, chapter 2, paragraphs 18 to 25. We continue this reading today about Revelation 21, and we will continue to hear about this tomorrow and the next day in our daily readings. Today we heard, I saw the mother of the Incarnate Word, the true mystical city of Jerusalem. We have this book, The Mystical City of God. Well, that city is the new Jerusalem. And we see the interplay then of seeing that mystical city in Revelation 21 and seeing that person as that of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It kind of makes sense as we've been making our way paragraph by paragraph, verse by verse, that you could read a Marian reading of this text. And I heard a great voice from the throne saying, Behold the tabernacle of God with men, and he will dwell with them. Well, the word became flesh and dwelt among us through the person of the Blessed Virgin Mary. She was the living tabernacle of God. So, yes, that verse, it's true. God will wipe away all tears from their eyes and death shall be no more, no mourning, no crying. That's no more crying because Mary, as the new Eve, has righted what was wrong in the world by her fiat. Her yes has undone the disobedience of Eve. We heard her holiness was to be copied by the new evangelical church. And so we as the church look to Mary and her holiness and we try to relive that holiness in the world and in the church today. To him that thirsteth, I will give the fountain of waters freely. That's God pouring out his grace upon the church, giving us, as we heard in that paragraph number 22, the Holy Spirit as well. These are very powerful reflections as we look at the word of God, as we look at the book of the apocalypse, Revelation. And as we continue to read it with an eye towards the Blessed Mother, as faithful devotees of Our Lady, we ask her today to aid us and help us as we journey to that mystical city of God, the new heavenly Jerusalem. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting upon the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow.